0: Good afternoon, NBC. Blessed, Good Friday. Uh, I just want to tell everybody that uh, I'm very excited, very encouraged today on Good Friday. uh, Just meditating on God's Word through Passion Week. Hopefully you guys have been doing the same. And just considering uh, the love of Jesus during this time. Just dying for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. And hopefully you guys are ready for tonight. We're going to have... Hopefully a a blessed Good Friday online service. There will be a sermon on Isaiah 53. We'll focus on the glory of the cross. And then we'll have some fellowship. A lot of talking, hopefully being able to fellowship with one another on the WebEx uh, video chat. And then also prayer. And I just want to praise God for last night as Danielle, our sister Danielle, led a a Monday-Thursday service. And I heard it was a very encouraging time. So this, morning, this afternoon, uh, God placed it on my heart to preach this sermon. It's not about Good Friday, but I think it's something we need to hear. It's titled, A Call to Action. A Call to Action. And I notice, um, I've heard that a lot of people are doing the Bible study, along with the Romans mentorship study. They're going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Some people are doing it chronologically, and uh, that's what Amy and I are doing and we're in the First Samuel now, so I thought about preaching a sermon on First Samuel. It'll be First Samuel chapter three, verses one through twenty-one. A call to action. Um, we've discussed many times, myself and others, that this mentorship—the uh, the reason why we're doing this mentorship—is not merely to memorize scripture so we can boast and let people know how smart we are, how good our memory is, or you know, to—it's not even merely to. Get to know each other better. That's part of it. But what our prayer is as elders is to, and I know pastor's prayer, is for us to grow in Christ. For us to recognize that God has called us. If you're a Christian, he's called you out of the world, into the kingdom for a purpose. And again, our prayer is for us to grow, to be sanctified. To grow and to also send the gospel out and make disciples of all nations so others can Come to Christ, grow in Christ, and his name could be exalted. So that's kind of like what this, uh, this sermon is going to hit, hopefully, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It will pierce your heart, encourage you to, at, during this time with the coronavirus, this uh, difficult time for many, for you to consider if you are walking in obedience. Are you using this time to glorify God and enjoy him forever? So that's just a little content, a little intro to let you guys know why. I decided to preach this today. So today's text is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. So you can get your Bibles out or your phones out, whatever you want to use. And it's 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 through 21. Before we read this, I want to give a a brief background, synopsis of the text to help us all understand the passage. It's it's around 1100 BC. It's 1100 BC, the time of significant spiritual darkness and decline. A very bleak and dark and desperate time in in history of God's people. Uh, It's actually the same time period as the book of Judges. Everyone was doing what's right in their own eyes. Everyone was uh, just uh, in the midst of this spiritual... Decline. We, we find a godly family. Amen. We find a godly family from the covenant line of Israel. The book of First Samuel opens with, with Hannah, Elkanah's wife, uh, childless and heavy-hearted at the time. But by God's grace, Hannah is given a son and his name is Samuel, which in the original language means God has heard. Amen. God has heard. So God has heard Hannah's prayers. Indeed. And with grace and mercy, church, and divine power, he grants Hannah her deepest desire. Hannah follows through with her promise to give her, uh, uh, God, I'm sorry, God follows through with her promise to give her a child, give her, I'm sorry, Hannah follows through with her promise to give the Lord her child after he uh, turns around three years old. After three years old of weaning, she decides to give. The Lord, Samuel, hands him over to the high priest, Eli, in full service to God in the uh, tabernacle at Shiloh. So in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, first Samuel we, we see the spiritual deadness, amen, the debauchery manifesting itself through through the priest in a great way. Namely, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. So in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 2.12 says this, they knew not the Lord, right? They knew not the Lord. And that, that was a great underestimate, underestim- underestimation. He underestimated that uh, they knew not the Lord. So Eli's sons and the servants under them turned God's house into a house of the devil. That's pretty much what happened, right? They were polluting the work of the Lord in the house of God. So whoever, just just for a second, if anybody just joined us, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 through 21. I noticed a couple people just uh, popped on. So they were polluting the work of the Lord in the house of God. They distorted Leviticus 7 and also the Leviticus 3 regulations that clearly instructed them how to carry out the sacrificial, the sacred sacrificial system. Some of the things they they were guilty of was taking leftovers of the sacrifices for themselves. That's one of the things they did to indulge even the common people when they saw this. The ones that came to worship, they even knew that this was blatant sin at the time. So they tried to stop them, but referring to the sacrifice, they said this. Give it to us raw with the fat, or we will take it give it to us roll with the fat we will take. So 1 Samuel 2:16 through 17 states it this way. And if the man said to him, "Let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish," he would say, "No. You must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force." Thus the sin of the young man was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Amen. So here we see the living and true God being worshipped in a sinful, uh, blasphemed way. And this wasn't the end of it. This wasn't the end of the church. They also tried to turn the entrance area of the court into a brothel, right? Committing fornication and adultery with the women they were visiting. Their father, Eli, the high priest, failed to restrain them. And because of this, God promised through an unknown man that judgment will come on Eli in his house. God's people were in serious trouble, church, at this time. God's wrath was on His way. The light of God's presence was very dim. Very dim. Yet, in a buck God type of way, right? In a buck God type of way, in the background of all this, God was doing something remarkable, church. In this young boy, this young boy named Samuel, As the early passage tells us uh, in chapter 2, verse 26. This is earlier uh, before we get to chapter 3. It says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And this is where we are tonight. That's the context leading up to where we are tonight. So let's dive in. Let's dive in here. This is, again, we're going to... uh, Chapter, 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. So whoever just showed up, they didn't really miss it. Well, you missed the, the intro, but we're going to the text now. So this is the word of the living God. Let me pray first. Father, I just ask that you will help me decrease as you increase and just give us eyes to see and hearts to receive your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the word of the living God, 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. For you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and he lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay down, lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. It's the word of the living God. So the theme of the message, church, those who are truly called by God will respond with obedience. Amen. Those who are truly called by God during this time with the corona pandemic, right, we will respond with obedience. We don't get a time out, church. We don't get a time out. Sure, things are going to be different now with the corona, but we don't get a time out in our uh, making disciples of all nations. We don't get a time out in uh, growing in the Lord and, and living for God's glory. So again, those who are truly called by God will respond with obedience. Point number one. Notice Samuel was attentive to the call. That's the first point flowing out of the theme. Number one, notice Samuel was attentive to the call. So three separate times the Lord called Samuel, right? Three separate times. And although he didn't hear the Lord correctly right away, he eventually responded. Amen? And for, church, he had every excuse not to respond, Right? As we were reminded earlier, this was a dark time for Israel. As verse 1 states, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So put yourself in Samuel's shoes here, right? He's only a child. Many commentators think he was around 12 at this time. But he has been in the tabernacle since about 3 years old. He's aware of the darkness over Israel, right? The silence of the Lord is evident everywhere. Israel was under God's judgment. The priests are walking in sin, blaspheming God. And again, as the book of Judges states, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And now Samuel gets a call from God. Samuel gets a call from God. He he didn't recognize, at first he didn't recognize the Lord of glory's voice, but God didn't give up on him. God didn't give up on him. God was patient. The hound of heaven chased him down. It's just as the late great preacher, Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, if God calls a man by his grace, he cannot but come. Amen? Church, God was sovereign over his call to Samuel. Indeed, but don't miss the human responsibility of this call. Don't miss the human responsibility of this call. Jesus says in Matthew eleven fifteen, 15, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? Amen? So Samuel was finally given ears to hear, to respond to God. And he used them accordingly. Are you using the ears that God has given you? Are you using them accordingly during this time? Church, Samuel's attentive to the call of God. As the first point states, Samuel kept going to Eli. He was diligent. He just kept on going to him until he finally, finally heard the voice of God. The call of God on him. The call to be a prophet. To be a prophet of God. A mouthpiece for the God of glory. Verse 4 says, Samuel, Samuel, here I am. And he ran to Eli. Here I am for you called me. Eli says, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went to lie down. And then, church, verses 6 through 9, we see two more times that this happens. Samuel hears the call from God, mistaking it for Eli. But eventually we see God enlighten the eyes of Samuel's heart. Amen? He grants him ears to hear, a heart to receive. Notice verse 10. Verse 10 states, and the Lord came and stood, calling, as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Remember verse 7. Remember verse 7, where it said, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Remember that? Did not yet know the Lord. He... um. This this doesn't necessarily mean salvific. I don't believe this is salvific. I don't think God's intention was to tell us that uh, Samuel wasn't saved. Because following those words, Scripture tells us in 7b, that the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Amen? So the Bible teacher Robert McClearly, when commenting on this portion of the verse, states this, what it is saying is he didn't have a prophetic knowledge of God. Samuel didn't have experience or recognize the word up until this point. Unquote. And I agree with that statement. I agree with that statement, Church. That I think the text gives us that interpretation. Church, Samuel knew God. I believe Samuel knew God. He 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 and he knew God intimately, right? But up until this point, he didn't know the specific call, the specific call in his life. Up until this point, he wasn't, as Stephen Lawson says, summoned by the judge of the universe. Amen? Summoned by the judge of the universe. So church, the Apostle Paul instructs us to examine ourselves, right? We see that in Paul's letters. To examine yourself, right? Make sure you're in the faith. Are we being attentive? Are we examining ourselves? Are we being attentive to God's Word? Are we doing the Romans Mentorship Series program and reading the devotionals, right? And just crossing it out like it's just a duty that we have to do. Calling up our mentors saying, oh yeah, I got it done. I finished the devotional. I read the passage. Are we being attentive to God's Word? Are we really studying Scripture, right, through prayer, right, and listening to what God has to say to us through His Word? The Holy Spirit prompts us, right? He works in us. He uses the church. He uses others too. So are you hearing God's call on your life as Samuel did? During this time with the coronavirus pandemic, I know a lot of things have changed, right? Your schedule's probably changed a lot. Some of you guys, and things are much different. But are you hearing God's call? What does He want from you? We need to be careful, though. I don't want to assume too much here today. God doesn't speak to us audibly anymore, okay? I just want to, right off the bat, get that out of the way. God doesn't speak audibly anymore. We're not sitting there... Uh, putting the Bible down and just sitting in a, in a quiet room hearing what God has to say. We hear false preachers talk like that all the time, right? God told me this. God told me that. The thus says the Lord, people of God, they're basically gone during the new covenant right now. Unless, of course, you quote scripture after saying those words, amen? <laughs> you can say, I got a word from you. Quote the scripture, right? Amen. So we're in the New Covenant days. The Messiah Jesus has come. He died for our sins. We're meditating on that that, that, that awesome truth, that sober truth that we will be uh, meditating on today during Good Friday. Amen? That He came and He was punished. He was crushed. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. So as Hebrews 1 states in regards to Jesus uh, being the final word that God doesn't use uh, prophets anymore. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, long ago many ways, God spoke to our prophets. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Amen? Through His Son. So, the bottom line, the, the days of visions and, and audible voices, they're not normative anymore. They're not normative. Again, we're not putting God on a box. God can do whatever He wants, right? We hear stories about what He's doing saving Muslims, where He'll, he'll use dreams. But my point is not to put God in a box. My point is to tell you to, to what Scripture says, that long ago God had spoken to us by the prophets, dreams, all that, but now He speaks to us through the Son, right? And this is not the normative way. we got to see What the word of God says, God speaks to us through the word. If you're not reading the word, if you're not studying scripture, how do you have a relationship with God? Amen. So, make no mistake about it, God does speak to us, God speaks to us loud and clear, right, church. And how does He do it through His word, the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. So scripture is God's primary way of communicating to us, right? It helps us understand and confirm God's voice. The writer of the book of Psalms says it this way, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Excuse me. I love how John Calvin, uh, the famous theologian from the 17th century, reformer, I love how he describes the centrality of God's word in our lives. He once stated, the scriptures serve as a spectacle. So this is like eyeglasses, right? As eyeglasses, as we look through these spectacles, we see the world alright. We see the world alright. We gotta look at the world even now through a through a biblical lens, right? A biblical worldview, amen. So, church, the eyes of our hearts are much, much worse than Eli's was, right? Without looking at life through the lens of Scripture, the lamp in our hearts, is it's dim, right? It's, it's, it's dim. It's out. We don't see anything. If we aren't in the Word, if we aren't in the Word, we are blind. We're in the dark without God's Word. Some of us have no problem saying a loud amen to what I'm saying, right? We love the Word of God. Of course we realize we need to be reading it daily. Come on, Elder Sean. Are you kidding me? Of course we know that. But church, are we listening to God? Are we listening to Him? Are we hearing Him? Are we hearing Him the way that the Lord Jesus wants us to hear Him? Are we being attentive and persistent as Samuel was? Are we listening like a sheep to a shepherd? For Jesus said... My sheep hear my voice. Amen? My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Church, we need to imitate Samuel here, and keep pressing forward, responding with diligence, until God's Word is clear to us. Right? So are we being faithful? When God calls us to live out the Christian life that we profess... Right? Are we being faithful? Before I get to my two sub-points, I need to say a word to all you who aren't born again. Maybe there's some people that stumbled across this uh, Facebook Live sermon, or maybe you're going to listen to it later. Maybe you listened to it after the fact. It was already on the website. So you haven't come to Christ yet by, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone. The Bible is clear, my friend all throughout Scripture, that you need Christ as Savior and Lord to have a relationship with God. God will not be hearing you, or speaking to you, or listening to you, or He's not going to have a relationship to you as long as you continue to stay out of, outside of His saving grace. I need to be clear about that because Scripture is clear about that. right? You need to come to Christ today. On His terms. So, let's move on. So, back to the point. Are you giving God your ear? Now, I want to speak about a few barriers that usually get in the way of hearing God's Word. There's a few barriers, a few temptations that are out there that that get us uh, sidetracked. We find ourselves all of a sudden not being in the Word of God. There are two I want to mention. Number one, the first barrier is inexperience. Let's start with inexperience. We see in this passage that Samuel didn't have any experience in in hearing God's voice, right? He didn't recognize God's call at first. My question to you is this. Who eventually helped realize it was God speaking to him? Who was it? Eli, right? Notice verse 8 and 9. The Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, right? So church, Eli was far from perfect. We know this, right, through the scriptures. He failed his sons. And God's people as a whole, pretty much. And judgment will eventually come on him, as we will see in a moment. But God still placed him there. God placed him there at this time as an authoritative figure in Samuel's life. Right? Samuel needed Eli's guidance. Just like we need each other. We need each other. Right? This is one of the reasons why we started the mentorship program. We need each other. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's so many passages where there needs to be somebody that you can look to. That's what we're here. That's what the elders are for as well. Pastor Chris. We need each other, church. Church, there are more mature. uh, Some people that are less mature in the faith need help. From those who are more mature in the faith. Alright? And then you'll grow. And then you'll be the one that's mentoring somebody else. By God's grace in the future. So those... Why? The question becomes why. Some people will say, why do I need anybody? I got the Holy Spirit. I can read the Bible. Why? It's as J.D. Greer once said, Inexperience with the Lord prevents people from recognizing that what is heard is actually the voice of God. Amen? It is... It's dangerous... It is very dangerous, church, to be a lone ranger Christian. Very dangerous. How many times have I heard people deceived by the devil while thinking, deceived by Satan, while thinking it was God's voice directing them? Right? Even, even the mentors need mentors. Amen? This is what the apostle Paul meant when I said, like I said earlier, imitate Christ, imitate me as imitate Christ. This is what disciple-making is all about, church. We make followers of Christ. We baptize and we teach all that Christ commands in His Word. So that's one barrier that God has an answer for that's inexperience, And it is fought through what? Discipleship, right? Mentorship in small groups. Things like that. So if you're watching... If you're watching right now and and you're an unbeliever, I plead with you, just keep coming back. Come to our sites. Watch the videos. Sunday we got a live um, Resurrection Day service. Right? Keep coming back. We We welcome you here. All of us at one time or another, we're where you are at. No one is born a Christian, my friend. That's why we need... New spiritual birth. As Jesus said to one of the religious uh, leaders of his day, he says, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. Right? Forget about going into the kingdom. You can't even see it unless you're born again. So seek godly counsel. If you're a believer and you're watching, continue to... Seek godly counsel, right? Walk with the Lord. Let iron sharpen iron, church. Don't be a lone ranger, especially during this time. We need each other. We need to be a band of brothers and sisters during this time, church. And gather with us tonight for the good Friday service. Go to the Metropolitan Baptist Church website. You'll see how to how you can uh, gather with us tonight for a Good Friday uh, gathering and fellowship online, and, and remember, like Danielle reminded everybody, every night we got a, a set. Every night, except you know tonight, because we got the Good Friday service and last night, but every night we have a seven p.m. seven p.m. Uh, prayer line. And many, many of us join the line. It's very encouraging. We pray. We, we talk to each other. Uh, get prayer requests. And then 1 o'clock every, every day, the women, they have Barbara, my wife Amy and Barbara, Letesta. They usually do a prayer. They have a prayer line. So again, let iron sharpen iron, church. So anyone want to guess what the next barrier is? We talked about inexperience, amen, that blocks us from hearing God, right? Hearing God in our heart. The next one is, it's an obvious one. What do you think it is? Think about it. Sin. It's sin. Church, the Bible says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. The word quench means to throw a wet blanket over. When we hear the word quench, in the original, it means to throw a a wet blanket over. We are walking in unrepented sin. Our relationship with God is affected when we do this. Church, usually when, when I hear that somebody's not reading the Bible or you know, they're not praying. They're not connected. They're not going to church. Listen, I'm not a prophet. I don't know what's going on. I, 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 you know, only God can see the heart. But sometimes, a lot of times, you come to find out that they were walking in sin. So our relationship is affected when we walk in sin. Sure, if you're born again, right, the Spirit never leaves you. Our position in Christ is secure. But be warned. Be warned that the joy of the Lord will be distant. You will not see God when you're living hypocritically as a slave to sin. And also the Bible warns you, if you continue to walk in sin, you can find yourself finding out that you were never saved to begin with. First John says, those who left us, they never were of us in the first place. So the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Next time you're tempted to sin, I've used this many times in my life. It's helped. You're tempted to sin, right? You're in the crossroads. Just, just meditate on that verse. Instead of going to whatever you're going to choose for that temporary pleasure, remember that blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You go to Christ, find your, uh, you get your pleasures in Christ, and you will see God in that sense. You will see Him more clearly in His Word through prayer. So the danger of walking in darkness, church, is as a professed Christian, is eventually God will give you over, right? He will give you over to your desire. The desires of your heart. And this judgment on God's part will demonstrate that you never really knew the Lord. So this is frightening stuff. We see this a lot in uh, a few times in Hebrews in chapter 6, chapter 10. This is frightening but it's a biblical truth. It's a biblical truth. We see this in 1 Samuel with Eli's sons. Amen? They were sinning willfully, yes? But but we need to understand that the sin that we read about here in this book, in this text, was also a result of God giving them over to their sin as a sign of judgment. We see this in Romans, right? We read this in Romans 1 through our study where the Apostle Paul says, He says that God gave them over to the lust of their hearts. John MacArthur explains it this way. God gave them over simply by withdrawing his restraining and protective hand, allowing the consequences of sin to take their inevitable destructive course. Unquote. So I plead with you. I plead with you, church. Be attentive. Be attentive to God's word. Don't just read God's Word. Be attentive to it. Respond to it. So that's the first point of the sermon. Samuel was attentive to the call. Are you? Now we come to the second point of the sermon. Samuel responded with an obedient will. Samuel responded with an obedient will. That's the second point of the sermon. Church, we sometimes complain... But how can I tell my family that they're not in a relationship with God or a right relationship with God through their works-based religion? I know some of us, a lot of us know family members who are in works-based religions, right? How can I tell them? I love them. I don't want them to get mad at me. How can I tell my grandmother who has been going to church for several decades that she will go to hell if she doesn't trust in Christ alone for salvation? Right? Some of us say, I know God, it's God's call, God calls us. He calls all Christians to share the gospel, right? But I'm not good with people. That's not my call. Sure, church, not everyone is is called to preach, right? Not everybody's called to preach or or, (laughs) street preach or even teach the Bible. In an organized, you know, setting. But make no mistake about it, Church. First Peter three fifteen says this, and we, we heard this in our devotional uh, this week. It says, First Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, who everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that's in you. Amen. Yes, this might be more difficult for some than others, right? God has molded us, all of us differently, amen? But we shouldn't be complaining after we see what God called Samuel to do here. I mean, he's going to become a bold prophet and priest as he gets older, taking much more risk than this. But imagine, first hearing God's calling, his voice, and he tells you. This is the first time that he hears it, and he calls him. The first time Samuel hears God, and what does he tell him to rebuke? Rebuke Eli. Imagine that. The first time you hear his voice. first time you you hear from God and he tells you to rebuke your brother-in-law. Somebody that maybe has been mentoring you for 10 years. Right? Who, who, Who you have been isolated with. Day after day. Right? Morning after morning. Night after night. Who just assisted you in hearing God's voice, directing you to God and His call on your life. And you got to rebuke them. This wasn't easy for Samuel. But he responded to God. Not just with an attentive ear, as we talked about the first point. But in obedient will. Notice verse 11. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for, by sacrifice or offering forever. Wow. Mm. There is nothing in 1 Samuel that indicates that Samuel knew about the unknown prophet that came to Eli. Nothing. Chapter 2 tells us about it. It sounded a lot like what we just heard, though, right? It says, a judgment without any, there, there's no judgment without any, without any Eli sinned against God. There's nothing like that diminish the glory of God in the priesthood. Eli diminished the glory of God in the priesthood by allowing his sons to walk in unrepentant sin. We've seen that in the book, right? while they were supposed to be serving faithfully as priests. Bottom line, their sin affected Israel as a whole and especially the house of Eli and he will and they will pay. and you know what? Eli will pay. As the Father, Eli will pay. Don't miss this, church. In the midst of God's sovereign grace in one's life, we see God's sovereign judgment in another, in another's life. Alright? This is the God we serve, church. A God that follows through with his promises, even in his promise of judgment. Amen. Don't miss that. Don't miss that now with this corona pandemic. Don't miss that. That God has many promises to judge those who reject Him. And He's carrying them out. He's carrying them out. So, God called Samuel to execute this prophecy of judgment to Eli. A tough call. Very tough call, but God equips us when He calls us to something. Amen? God equips us when He calls us to something. Augustine said it this way. The old uh, theologian, church history theologian, Augustine says that God creates what He commands. You get that? God creates what He commands. So He commands you to do something. A lot of times He calls you. You're like, how can I do that? I don't have enough. I'm not smart enough to do that. I don't have boldness to do that. But when He calls you, He equips you. Amen? And look at God's kindness to Samuel. Look at His kindness here. How God brought Eli to Samuel to make it, to make His call of rebuke maybe a bit easier for him. All right? Right? <laughs> God knew Samuel's heart. He knows all of our hearts, right? He knew there was a reason why he prolonged his call to prophecy. His call to prophecy to Eli. I mean, how many of us can relate to this? Amen? When we know we need to be bold for the Lord. We know that that we're supposed to do something, right? Maybe it's a Christian, a fellow brother, sister in Christ. Um see something in us He sees the way God's using us and, and we're called we're called to something and we stop we suppress it we suppress it for a while right God called Samuel here to proclaim his word of judgment but Samuel was tempted to procrastinate right I know what this is like when God called me I had this this fire in my belly in my heart to, to street preach. For about over a year, and I just kept on suppressing it. I can't do this. This is this is too hard. I can't proclaim the gospel to people who many who hate God, and they're gonna think I'm some crazy person out there. You know? But God called me, and God equipped me, and I've been street preaching for years. Now. I mean, maybe five five years now. I think a lot of you guys can relate to that, right? God calls you, and you just kind of quench the spirit, right? Suppress the truth. But, Samuel, we see this in verse 15, that through the text, what happens here? In verse 15, the Bible says, Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Right? Who knows how long he would have waited to be obedient. Who knows if he would have even followed through. But by God's grace, he found himself face-to-face with Eli, and he boldly shared God's words, acting as a mouthpiece for God. Right? It might not have been easy for him. But Samuel was obedient. God told him what his call was, and he carried it out with an obedient will. As the second point indicates. Notice verse 18 states, so Samuel told him everything he he did. No, and so Samuel told him everything, and he hid nothing from him. <laughs> and we know what what, what uh, anything, everything entails, amen. Some heavy words. Judgment was given to Eli. That's the everything. He told him about the judgment to come. Church, are you in the word daily? Studying Scripture diligently. Hearing God's call on your life. And obediently carrying it out. Church, we're not prophets. Right? In the same way that Samuel was. Right? We're not prophets like that. But make no mistake about it. We are new covenant people of God. If you have trusted in Christ alone for your salvation... You have turned from your sins, right? And you have been given a new heart, right? A, a new soul, a new mind, right? To, a desire to obey the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Then you have a responsibility before your King Jesus, right? A call to be a mouthpiece for God. In the Old Testament times, God would come upon certain people to carry out a task. That's how he did it. In that time of a retemptive history. But, church, Christ has come. Amen? We are meditating on Good Friday today, right? we, We see that He came. He came on a rescue mission, right? And He was crushed for our sins on Friday. And then He was raised from the dead on Sunday. And we see in Acts, the Holy Spirit came. With power. The Holy Spirit came upon people with power. The day of Pentecost. Weeks after. Right? And Because Jesus has resurrected and exalted. He's now with the Father. The right hand of the Father. Right? We have the power. We have the indwelled Holy Spirit to be prophets. Mouthpiece for God. To take what God says and proclaim the gospel to people. As the Apostle Peter said in Acts 2, he says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on who? On all flesh. On all flesh. On who? On all flesh. This isn't every single person. He's not saying on every single person. But what this means is that all those who call upon the name of the Lord, amen, all Christians will be Spirit-filled, bold heralds to the gospel. This new covenant prophecy fulfillment promises that all spirit-filled, born-again believers will proclaim God's Word with boldness. Amen? Now this was a prophecy from the prophet Joel that uh, that wasn't still being fulfilled today through the church. Dr. John Piper commenting on this portion of Acts 2. He says this, in other words, Joel says that one feature of the last days will be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on on people of every kind. Men and women, young and old, high and low. God's people will be clothed with power. They will receive power, and the main effect of this power seems to be bold. Unquote. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord, huh? Praise the Lord. Believers of all kinds, believers of all kinds are going to be and are now so gripped by the Spirit of God that they see the greatness of Jesus and the purpose of Jesus with extraordinary clarity. And we can speak with boldness. Wow. Gotta be doing this now, right, church? Look at what we have. We have technology, we're so blessed. Yes, we can't gather together. Yes, I don't. I can't really go out there and and street preach like I used to. People aren't gonna take gospel tracts from us at this time, right? But we can use what we have, we can use technology, we can pick up the phone, old friends that we know or family members that do not know the Lord, and we can speak. With boldness. We can share the gospel with boldness. Not because we're so strong. Not because we're so smart. But because the Holy Spirit is indwelled in us. Amen? So, my question again is, are you being obedient? Are you being obedient to God? Not just with reading the Bible and... uh, You know, doing your devotionals and praying and sharing the gospel. But more specifically, are you making disciples? Right? Preaching the word, uh, giving a defense of the faith. Right? Are you walking in obedience, in holiness? Right? There's a lot of temptations now, I know we've talked about a lot of people are talking about how 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 great it is that god has took away a lot taken away a lot of the idols right no more football no more baseball people aren't really they can't go to bars anymore you know so god has crushed a lot of idols but sitting home a lot of people are home now and there are temptations on our phone and on our computer right be obedient to god glorify god trust in christ lean on The Holy Spirit. Because I'll tell you right now, without God, without fixing our eyes on Christ, I can't do anything. Right? There's no way I can wake up in the morning and read the Bible, share the Gospel, unless I'm walking in the Lord. Unless I have my mind fixed on godly things. Eternal things. Amen? So do not Make idols during this time. The coronavirus and a lot of time, you know, free time that you have. Do not make idols, right? Do not cause other people to stumble. Let your yes be yes and your no be me no, right? When we hear these, these words uh, with Samuel, the things we just heard, we're, we're inclined to maybe call aside, go back to bed in the same, the same way he did you remember he was hearing the call of God and he went back to bed? We're tempted to do the right thing. The same thing. Right? We hear God's word. I'm proclaiming God's word this afternoon and we are tempted to just go back to bed or just turn our mind off to godly things as Samuel did. But we need to be careful. If you're only listening to God's word, right? And you're, and you're only, you're only doing the devotionals or reading the Bible just to, to get a religious duty done, then you're not really doing, as First Point said, you're not listening to God as Samuel did. You're not obeying God. All you're doing is a religious duty. All right? That's it. And you'll get praise from men. But as Roman says, you won't get praise before God. You won't be able to boast before God. You might find yourself as Eli's sons, hanging out, or maybe even serving the house of the Lord, right? Like like his sons were, but at the same time, defaming his name. Remember this theme of the sermon. Those who are truly called will respond with obedience. Amen? Those who are truly called will respond with obedience. God calls his people to many things, church. Many things be attentive, be attentive to God's call, right? Obey God's call, right? And that's the third point we're gonna talk about now. Have a godly walk, right? Samuel heard the voice of God, he listened to God, he, he he obeyed God, and then the third point Samuel had a godly walk. This is our last point. Samuel had a godly walk. Notice verse 19. And Samuel grew and grew in the Lord. What grew, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord oppressed again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. We are told here. Church, that Samuel grew. But the affirmation that was added is the Lord was with him. Amen? The Lord was with him. The Lord was against Eli and his sons, but his blessing was upon Samuel and his ministry. Right? How awesome is this? Right? Unlike all the other judges that many of us have, have read about in the book of Judges, Samuel's words and his influence would reach the entire nation. That's what it means when it says, from Dan to Beersheba. Right? The people have confirmed his call, the scripture says. His testimony is secure. Is your testimony secure? Is the world, your family members, your friends, do they... See God working in your life. Warren Wiersbe states, while commenting on this passage, he says, "The people recognized that God had called Samuel to be a prophet and declare the word of God and the will of God. So, church, the people of God was about to experience a, at this time, an awesome revival." Through Samuel, right? And it all started with a miracle. It all started with a call, right? Hannah's birth was a miracle before his before her family's eyes. And, and if you are a Christian today, you are a miracle. You have been brought from death to life, the Bible says. You have been brought from an enemy to God to adopted into his family. Amen. You are on a path to hell for all eternity, and now you have eternal life. God saves. Your salvation has been fixed in the heavens if you're truly walking with Christ. And you are a miracle. So show that miracle. Not to glorify yourself, but as Ephesians 2 says, you are a workmanship. Right? Glorify God. Show the world that you are a workmanship unto the Lord. To God be the glory. And you have a call. You have a call, church. You might not know what your specific call is, right? What your gifts are yet. Some of you guys might not know that yet. But we are all called. Every Christian's called to hear God attentively, right? That was the first point. To obey God willingly, right? And then a the third point. To walk with God diligently. This is your call. Right? Like I said earlier, there isn't no time out now because of everything that's going on. This was your call when you were saved. This is your call now. And it will be your call to the end. Samuel is our model here. Right? And that's biblical. That's biblical. The first Corinthians tells us that God has given us these Old Testament stories as examples. Right? nothing wrong with that. Looking to, to Samuel, looking to some Old Testament characters as a model, right? But remember church, remember that all of the Old Testament has been fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the greater Samuel, amen? Christ is the one who was the tabernacle, the one who tabernacled among us, John says, the Gospel of John, right? He, Christ is the true Israel, Amen? Amen? He's the true prophet. The final prophet. The final priest. The final king. Amen? Jesus had the ear of ears. Amen? He obeyed in perfect righteousness. And he walked with God every day. Every hour. Every minute of his life. In full submission to the Father's will. Right? Hopefully you read... What happened on Good Friday? Hopefully you're in the scriptures today about that. We're going to talk about that later tonight. I'm going to preach on Isaiah 53. But make no mistake about it. Our Lord suffered. But He obeyed His Father. Right? He went to the cross willingly. Are you willing to carry your cross? Are you willing to go through the cross during this time? To take on that, that call that God has given you. Dr. RC Sproul, he, he talks about this a lot in suffering. I love what he says. That, that suffering is a vocation sometimes. Sometimes it's a vocation from God, a call from God. It's tough to think about. But remember, our our, our chief end, our purpose is not to glorify ourselves. God didn't save us so we can glorify ourselves, so we can live a prosperous life, right? God saved us to glorify him. Amen. So we can we can follow Samuel's example here to the best of our ability, and we would still go to hell. This is true. We could do what Samuel did and, and a lot better, right? And we can still go to hell if we are not first clothed in Christ. Right? Forget about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, looking at this text and saying, oh, I got to be like, I have to be more attentive to God's Word. I got to be more obedient. I got to walk more godly. Forget about doing that in the flesh. It will never happen, right? You need to be clothed in Christ. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit... to you is this. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I don't know if you just heard. Somebody just called in It kind of knocked me out there out of the Facebook. I don't know if you just heard what I said, so just in case you didn't, let me say it again. In closing, remember the theme of the sermon. Those who are truly called by God will respond with obedience. And my question to you is this. Have you been called by God? And what are you doing about it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for this time, Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I just pray whoever listens to this sermon or has been listening, God, that you will encourage them where they need to be encouraged, maybe even rebuked if they need to be rebuked or inspired where they need to be inspired. God, just help us today, Lord. Help us today to, to hear your voice in your word, to Be obedient to the call that you place on us, Lord, and to walk in a godly way, God. We pray, God, that we will meditate on your beautiful son and what he did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago today, God. We pray, God, that you will give us the power, give us the time to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray, God, right now, Lord, as you place the pastor on my heart. As I close, I just pray for Pastor Chris, Lord. We just pray that you will heal him, Lord, that you will place your sovereign healing on him, Lord. We pray, God, that we will find out today that he's much better, God. We pray that that whatever happens, God, today, that we will have a heart like our Lord Jesus, that we will pray for healing, God. We desire to see our pastor again. We also pray let your will be done. And help us, God. Help us seek you first. Help us want your name to be glorified above everything. And give our pastor strength to pray like his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, God. We know these prayers hit the ground. They go nowhere without your son, God. So we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, thank you so much, family. Hope you guys are edified. Looking forward to uh, our fellowship tonight. God bless. To God be the glory.